Good morning, church. A good old West Yorkshire greeting. Oh. Some ringing up here. Thank you. We were made for so much more than ordinary lives. Anybody agree with that? Your spirit does inside. Your, might, your mind might be playing all sorts of tricks with you and saying, mm, but your spirit will testify to that. We're made to thrive, not just survive. Joy unspeakable. Faith unstoppable. Love. A faith unsinkable, love unstoppable, anything is possible. Amen. To thrive in our being, in ourself, despite the surroundings, despite the circumstances that we have to go through. And our spirit knows that, that we're here to thrive in Jesus Christ. We're recreated in him for so much more than ordinary lives. Amen. I don't want to be one of those people who live and go through life with my head just above the water. That's surviving. I want to learn in Jesus to walk upon the water in my life. Amen? Amen. To thrive in relationships. To thrive in our thought patterns. To thrive in the way that we speak. The, the, the tongue has a power of life and death. To thrive in that. To thrive in everything that we put our hands to. To thrive with a hospitable and a winsome character that will serve Jesus Christ. To thrive with wise decisions in our lives. And revelation that comes and helps us to get through life and to be able to walk on the water as it were. And I believe also to thrive in health and healing. I get the exciting task of speaking to you this morning and hoping to assure you or even just nudge you a little bit more into this glorious truth that Jesus Christ is the healer. He's our healer. Amen. Make no mistake, church. The healer is here. He's present. He's always present with us. The physician is in the house and he carries the cures. Absolutely. Oh, the stories of the healings in the Bible. You can read them. They can excite you. Or some of you belong in yesteryear, don't you, like me? And you can remember all sorts of healings that happened on your journey. What about all the revivals that they've been, the revival times? I don't think there's anybody here who wouldn't agree that we should be and could be experiencing the health and the healings of Jesus more than we do. I don't think there would be anybody here that would deny that. Both inside the church and outside the church, where we live our everyday, workaday lives, and in the neighbourhoods that we live, we'd love to see the healing of Jesus. We, that's you and I, are to thrive in health and healings. I absolutely believe this. I've got a conviction inside, and I shared it at the beginning of the year with just people chatting with them, that this household of faith is going to know some tremendous things this year. Encounters with Jesus, unplanned, unexpected, unrehearsed, as we move in him and toward him. This household of faith will experience a deeper reality of God, his aliveness, and boy, don't we need that. Don't we need the truth of Jesus to be real and manifest. It will prompt a deeper discipleship for us. And divine health and healing will be part of all that mix. I'm looking forward to that. Hallelujah. To see bodies healed. I am aware that in this congregation there will be a massive spectrum of um, understanding or scriptural interpretation or experiences when it comes to healing. I get just about 20-25 minutes to say something to this house to inspire you wherever you may stand on that spectrum. Right, I want you to look to the person next to you. Do it. Do it now. They're lovely people, aren't they lovely people? Are you still looking at them? Some have made a real effort this morning, haven't they? 
they've scrubbed up good. Some have combed the hair. Some have got nice foundation and mascara and lipstick. Some have got some lovely veneers. Special smile. Lovely dentures. Some are wearing nice, I don't want you sniffing people, but some are wearing nice aftershave and perfume. They dress snazzy. They've made an effort. They're well accessorised. So I'd like you to turn to that neighbour now. Turn to them. I want you to speak a truth to them. Three words from the scriptures. It's scriptural truth is. Will you, are you looking? You're not looking at them. Right. Are you ready? These three words. Are you ready to say them? Here we go. You're wasting away. <laughs> some, of, some, of you, some of you agreed, didn't you? We know that. It's true. It's true. It's true. The Apostle Paul said, outwardly we're, we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. I mention that because on this massive spectrum of understanding of healing, you'll have somebody at this, it's probably not the extreme, it's just where they've managed to settle, and they would, they would say this, that, I'm a realist, I'm a Christian, but I'm a realist. I just accept the fact that our bodies are wasting away. We're just ageing, and we're subject to sickness like the rest of the world, and there's disease out there, and there's all sorts of things happening in China. We catch those things, it's just real, it's just a fact, it's a matter of life. Just accept it. The realist. A better day is coming. There'll be a time when all the sickness goes, all the pain goes, but it's, it's in the next life. So I'm, I'm happy to settle here. Just accept it. And on the other side of the spectrum, as I see it anyway, are people that believe every single Christian should know divine health and divine healing. There should be no sickness. And the rest of us are somewhere in between, aren't we? I'm not going to ask where you are, but I think that's possibly true. There are so many approaches that can be made on this whole matter. I found myself compelled to answer two questions that I felt the Holy Spirit posed to, to me. And I believe it's what this household needs to hear this morning in Jesus. And the first question I found myself prompted to ask myself and then think about it. Why does Jesus heal? Because brokenness affects him. And brokenness in some ways offend him. When he sees a broken world, when he sees... Um, a broken relationship between man and Father God. When he sees a broken relationship between a man and his fellow man. Oh, when he sees a broken heart. When he sees a broken mind, and this is a big issue in today, mental illness. Minds that are broken. When he sees that, when he sees a broken body, there's an incredible amount of compassion from the Lord Jesus, who is God. And God is love. And God is love. And when he sees brokenness in love, he leans in to want to restore, to want to heal, to want to do something about that brokenness. He leans in hard because of love to restore the whole person. Listen, spirit, soul and body. It's clear when you, when you look at the teachings and the ministry of Jesus, his preaching deals with the human spirit to, to bring it alive and, and get it ready to meet with their father God, back into relationship. His teaching deals with the soul issues within a man, the will and the obedience issues. And then his healing is to deal with the human body. A fifth of the Gospels are taken up with Jesus' healings. And when he sends his disciples out, he says, go, give good news, drive out the demonic where there is the demonic, and heal bodies. And it's the same call to us today. Give good news to people. If there's a demon in the way, deal with the demon. Heal people's bodies. Heal sick bodies. 
He cares about your body. He cares about my body. He calls me in Romans 12 to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's our, it's our reasonable act of worship. The Lord Jesus cares about your body. That will be liberating for some people today. With stuff that you go through, you, you perhaps does he even care about my body? Absolutely he cares about a broken body. Some of his glory is housed in this earthen vessel. My body is the temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture says, honour God with your body, with this physical body. That truth is just going to be liberating for some people. When it drops into your soul, Jesus cares about my body. Not just about the future, when everything's going to be okay. Our bodies and the health of our bodies really matter to the Lord Jesus. That could break somebody's addictive habit. Addicted to dieting. That could break somebody this morning when they realise that. God cares about my body. We can't be indifferent about this. The principles of the king and his kingdom bring divine health. The power of the king and his kingdom bring divine healing. We live out of his principles to remain healthy. And we look to his power to receive healing. Many of us may never need divine healing if we obey the principles of the kingdom. The second question is, when does Jesus heal? Um, the first time I really was involved in, in any spectacular healing, spectacular in my view anyway, was in our first church in Moulton. There was a lovely dear lady there called Mary Walker. We'd gone to the Elim Conference like most years, We'd had a good time at conference and then we came back in a convoy of cars. We stopped at a service station and as Mary got out of the car, she, she did something awkward and she twisted her knee in such a way she damaged her knee. There was excruciating pain. She had to be carried into the service station. And when she went home, she couldn't walk around her house. She had to stay with her daughter. She missed the morning service because she was in excruciating pain. She never missed a service. She loved being in the household of faith. She was in agony. Her daughter was looking after her. She felt prompted to come to the evening service. She didn't normally come to that. But she came. She couldn't stand and sing. Uh, she couldn't stand for prayer. She was still in agony there. <laughs> we, we never even thought about praying for her. It's awful, isn't it? She had to ask for prayer at the end. And, and me and one of my church elders, we went over and we began to pray for her. And we, we prayed a reasonable prayer. We prayed how we should pray. We laid hands upon her. She sat on her seat. Everybody else was just mingling around and talking and drinking coffee. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm prone to exaggeration, but I'm not exaggerating with this. As we prayed for her, she went, oh! Oh! Everybody stopped. Teacups wobbled. And uh, I was shocked, and my elder was shocked. She began to, and she was a senior lady, she began to, like a can-can, just swinging her leg like this. She went, oh! I was so shocked and I just said, Mary, what, what's wrong? And she's, this is how she expressed it. She says, I just felt that excruciating pain leave my knee and go down my shin and go out at the end of my toe. She was totally, totally healed. I was amazed. <laughs> we were amazed. When, when does Jesus heal? Well, I've not got time this morning to read the, the full amount of the gospel records that I want to read. Other than parts that I've underlined here in answer to this, when does Jesus heal? Matthew 8 says, A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. 
If you're willing, Lord, you can heal me. And you know, the Lord healed him. Matthew 8. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to me, came to him, asking about his paralyzed servant at home. Jesus healed the servant. Matthew 8. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he healed them all. And he healed the sick. Matthew 9. Jesus stepped onto a boat. He crossed over and he came to his hometown. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man. And you know he forgave his sins. And he healed his body. Matthew 9. While he was still saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him. And said, my daughter has just died. Guess what Jesus did? Raised the daughter. And whilst all that was happening, a woman with an issue of blood came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. If only I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned to her and saw her and said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Matthew 9, Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out to him, Have mercy on us. Son of David. And he healed the blind men. When does Jesus heal? When people position themselves to be healed. When people move towards him for health and healing. That's when. This house, I believe this year, can, should, could rise in prayer. And rise in faith. And rise in practice when it comes to healing. They came to Jesus. They knelt before Jesus. They called upon Jesus. They brought their sick to Jesus. And he healed them. Mary Walker, that lady, she moved towards Jesus by asking the elders of the church to come and pray for her. That's what his word says the sick should do. So there was a mixture going on there of obedience and faith and prayer. Jesus, I believe, doesn't just walk amongst the candlesticks, his churches, randomly sprinkling healing. Some people think it's, you've just got to be in the right place at the right time in the right atmosphere. It's not random like that. I believe the healings of Jesus are magnetized to those who move toward him. Amen. They came to him. They brought people to him. They called upon him. They knelt before him. They ran to him. They just reached out to touch when does Jesus heal? When people move toward him for healing. I've got no doubt that everybody in this place can in some way reposition themselves to move towards Jesus for divine health and divine healing. Just three things I'd like to say. There's so much that could be said about this. But firstly, how do you move towards Jesus for divine health and healing? I think a very important thing is that we must confess and turn from wrong in our life. Turn from sin. To confess sin. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. The scripture says. If anyone is happy. Let them sing songs of praise. If anyone is sick. Let them call the elders of the church. And pray over them. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith. Will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned. They will be forgiven. Therefore. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confessing sin. What is it? Is this, 
There will be. There'll be stuff going on in some people's lives here right now that are clearly contrary to God's words and God's ways. You'll be dealing with stuff. You'll be doing stuff. You'll be watching stuff. You'll be hearing stuff. You'll be engaging in stuff that you know because your spirit knows that it's wrong. To confess is to say the same as. And we're just saying the same as what the Lord calls it. It's wrong. It's evil. It's not right. It's not helpful. Confess it and then deal with it. Turn from it. And when you do, friends, you will move in the spirit towards the healing and the health of Jesus. Confession and repentance is paramount for all of us. When John the Baptist came, he preached a a message of repentance. Called people to repent. He was a fulfillment of Isaiah 40. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. And we have to do that when it comes to this issue now. We, to prepare the way for the Lord. So we can, he can move to us and we can move to him for health and for healing. And it talks about prepare the way for the Lord. Bring the mountains down. Fill the valleys up. Where there's some crooked paths. Make them straight. If there's some little rough areas, just smooth them out. Make the way clear for the Lord to come. Or you to come to the Lord. Make it clear. Without a shadow of a doubt, there'll be some people here dealing with some massive sins in your life, like mountains, like valleys. There's some work to do there, guys. But if you work on that, if you confess that, if you repent and turn away from those, those valleys will be brought low. Uh, mountains will be brought low and the valleys brought up. Some things are obvious to all the people around you, the stuff that maybe you're engaged in or doing or thinking or saying. Then there's other things that happen inside of us. Pride, perhaps. Greed. Not many people know what's going on inside. and There may be like crooked ways in our lives. And they need to be confessed and repented of as well. Even though people don't see those things, they're damaging. And so you need to make those crooked ways straight. And the longer you walk with the Lord, you, you become sensitive to small areas of sin that need confessing and turning from. You might begin to develop uncharitable thoughts towards somebody. Not outright hatred, not raka. But uncharitable thoughts, you might start a little bit of gossiping going on. And those are the rough places that need made smooth. So whether the issues you're dealing with are mountainous or minuscule, the scripture says, confess your sin, repent of it, turn away from it, and you prepare the way for the Lord. I believe that's one way that some in this house might need to deal with the Lord to know his health and to know his healing. Fear the Lord, Proverbs says, fear the Lord. And shun evil. Move away from evil. Why does it say that? It says this will bring health to your whole body. And nourishment to your bones. Wow. Move away from the wrong. And begin to fear and revere and respect the Lord Jesus. Like we should do and could do and will do. And this will bring health. It's a supernatural thing. It's divine health. It will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So we need to sort those things Our health depends upon it. Confession and repentance always prepares the way for the Lord and for his healing. Secondly, I just want to say, and I said this in this morning's service, that uh, there's a lot of guys that fall into this in particular. Refuse to plateau in your walk with the Lord. Refuse to plateau in your Christian experience. To, to get to a certain level in your life and then that's it. You just stay at that level all the time. You stay there. Proverbs says this. My son, wisdom is speaking. My son, for goodness sake, pay attention to what I say. 
Turn your ear towards my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For this reason, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's body. What are we talking about here? We're talking about listening ears. We're talking about spiritual receptivity. We're talking here about having a hungry and a teachable heart. It is so very easy to plateau, and particularly for guys I want to address, to switch off, to simply go through the religious motions. You become stale, you become bland, you become colourless. How sad is that when the Lord is just waiting to pour his wisdom into us, his revelation into us to help us to live this life in all of its fullness, to thrive in every area of life. How sad it is to plateau, but it happens, and it happens so easily. Do you remember the little chorus that we used to sing? And he walks with me, and he talks with me along life's narrow way. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. They obey my commands. I want to ask you, in all sincerity, is that true of you today? Are you hearing God's voice? Have you plattered? Have you stopped reaching out? To get understanding for your life. For wise decisions and revelation. Or has the dialogue died? And are you just going through the motions? Have you plateaued? Does everything just seem all familiar now? And, and you, you, you're not listening. And when you come here, you're looking at the decor. Or you can't get past the style of the preacher. Or some other thing. And, and you're more concerned with what's going on. And you, you're far away from listening to the Spirit. What's the Lord doing in this place? What are the songs meaning? What's the Spirit trying to say to me? Lord, where's your voice for me? I'm hungry for that. My appeal to you, especially guys, is just get started again. Refuse to plateau. Refuse to plateau. Pay attention. Turn your ear. Become spiritually receptive again. Don't let these words of God's wisdom out of your sight. Keep them in your heart. They are life to those who find them and health to your body. Do you want divine health? It's supernatural. His words and his wisdom bring that into our lives. The writer to the Hebrews had to talk to the believers in that day. And we all need to be talked to about this issue. And, and he, he accused them of becoming dull of hearing. Mental listlessness, some translations say. They've become dull of hearing. In fact, what they had learned, they began to lose. And that's what Jesus said when he talked in his parables. He said, let he who has ears hear. The measure that you give is the measure that you'll get back and more. It's talking about hearing. It's, talk, it's talking about a hungry heart after God and his ways. And when we stop listening, we actually start losing what we had. The understanding, the revelation. That's why we become bland. And that's why we become bored with church. And that's why it's so easy for the enemy just to get into our lives and start messing things up. Guys can, and girls, can I just encourage you to want his wisdom? again to want to start hearing his voice again or if you are to hear it even deeper to want his wisdom for your life so you make good decisions in life and you thrive in every area of life they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body and that's why the proverbs cry out to us though it costs everything that you have want his counsel get understanding get wisdom why because health depends upon it let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
The words I have spoken to you, Jesus said, that they are spirit and they are life. There's something, something supernatural in the words of God, in the ways of God, that bring divine health into you. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, that, that your bones could be strengthened by God's ways and by God's words. Let's be no doubt about this. Let's just get his word into us. And finally, I want to come on to a, my third point. I shall just read this little um, Say Norman Cousins, he wrote a book, and I said... If you saw this book title on the shelf, you won't want to buy it. It says, The Anatomy of an Illness Perceived by a Patient. Doesn't really draw your attention, does it? But in it, he tells of being hospitalised with a rare and a crippling disease. When the hospital diagnosed him as incurable, he discharged himself from the hospital. He'd become aware at this point of the, very, the effects that negative emotions have upon the body, the physical body. And it's true, we know that, don't we? Negative people, negative attitudes, negative emotions begin to affect your body and your body begins to deteriorate. <laughs> Don't be negative. Don't be negative. But he was aware of the negative effects. So he thought, and he reasoned, is the reverse true? So he borrowed a movie projector and he prescribed his own treatment, which consisted of old Marx Brothers films and old Candid Camera. Does anybody remember Candid Camera? Candid Camera clips. And it didn't take long for him to discover that ten minutes of laughter gave him two hours of pain-free sleep. Amazingly, his debilitating disease was reversed. Wow! And after the account of his victory appeared in a prestigious medical journal, he received over 3,000 letters of appreciation from doctors from all around the world. Ten minutes of laughter provided two hours of pain-free sleep. My third and final point is this then. Move towards Jesus for his joy. Last week, Pastor Andy spoke about Jesus being the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and the need for this baptism, the need for this fullness. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, empowers us to thrive in ourselves and in the work that Jesus calls us to. We're told in the scriptures about the amazing things that we can do when the Spirit takes hold of us to serve our fellow man. We call them the gifts of the Spirit. We're also told of the amazing character transformation that can be ours and we can expect when we invite the Holy Spirit to powerfully influence our soul. And we call these the fruit of the Spirit. And can I tell you that joy is high up on the list. Amen. It's high up on the list Finish this sentence, will you, from Romans 14, 17, will you? The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God, what all this is about, walking on this earth through Jesus, is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I've come across some miserable Christians in my life. <laughs> Cynical, critical, and negative. Within seconds... <laughs> If you're in their presence, they suck the life out of you, don't they? But in love, you have to just grin and bear it, don't you? You think, where on earth is the joy? Where is the gladness? Where's the Christian cheer? Joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. There's a great sentence in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. You almost miss it, but it just says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, and he said what he said. And uh, somebody in the congregation here um, told me a few weeks ago, when he reads the scriptures about Jesus, he, he never imagines Jesus as laughing. 
or being joyful or glad. He always pictures Jesus as carrying the weight of the world and the suffering of people. He's just weighing him down. And yet here, Jesus, full of the joy of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures say he was anointed with the oil of joy above all of his brethren. Joy! He wants us to have joy. John's Gospel says a few things. Chapter 15. Jesus said, I told you these things so that your joy may be complete. It might be full. When he's talking to his father in John 17. He says, I'm coming to you now, Father. But I say these things while I'm still in the world. So that they may have the full measure of joy within them. As far as Jesus is concerned for me and for you. Joy is incredibly important. In, his, in our lives. Joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what his kingdom is about. I had a conversation with another member here this week. And I was sad to see in her text. She said, it's a long, long time since I've known joy. The spiritual revivals of the past three decades that I've seen and experienced. Like Sunderland and Toronto and Pensacola. They've been perceived as both weird and wonderful. They've caused celebration, but they've also caused controversy. But one thing was common in all of these from my perspective. Laughter. Laughter. At times inexplicable and spontaneous and unexpected. And for me as a young pastor to see some of our most staid and serious senior ministers and church members almost exploding with uncontrollable laughter was a sight to behold. But to me, seeing it made it absolute sense. Joy was breaking through. Joy was breaking through. Joy in the Holy Ghost was breaking through. Long missed and long needed in a lot of our church ministers and congregations. It was a taste of heaven's joy. God gives a taste of joy that comes from within, deep down within our bowels as it were. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I loved seeing serious people filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And we were made to thrive with joy. I don't want to be distracted by words, meaning of words, a deep meaning. But the scriptures say, blessed is the man or the woman who, this and that and the other. Uh, the Beatitudes say, blessed are you when blessed are you. Some translations say, happy is the man who. Happy are those who or when these things happen. I like the word happy. It might not sound as religious as blessed. But I like the word glad as well. I like the word joy. I like how the hymn writer said, It is well with my soul when he'd been through some horrendous things in his life and lost his family. I, I love that inner feel-good factor. You can call it what you want. I, it's joy to me. It's gladness to me. It's a happiness to me. It's laughter to me. Researchers tell us that the average eight-year-old child, the average eight-year-old child laughs, smiles and giggles 150 times a day. The average adult, <laughs> on a good day, 15. I want to see more joy-filled believers, don't you? I want to knock around with more joy-filled believers. Joy is contagious. I love people with a happy disposition. It's healthy and it's life-giving. And here's my point. Jesus wants us to thrive in joy for this reason, because joy heals. Joy 
heals. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Strength for our body, strength for our mind. The joy of the Lord is our strength. A merry heart is a good medicine. Or some translations say a cheerful and a happy heart helps with the healing. Another translation says a joyful heart promotes health. There are possibly dozens of people here. And in this whole subject of Jesus being the healer, you need to move towards Jesus for his healing joy. Some of you need to confess sin and just turn away from it. Shun evil. Revere the Lord. It will bring divine health to your body, to your bones. It will strengthen your body. Don't you want that? All my old golfing mates, they say to me, oh, when you lose your health, when you lose your health, health is so important. And Jesus wants health. And he wants to bring healing to us. Some people here might need to shake off the staleness and open ears and hearts again and start coming back to finding wisdom and revelation from Jesus to open your heart to him and saying, I want, I want to learn. I, I plateaued. I want to move on. I want to press in. I want to know you. And in doing that, it brings health to your body and health to your bones. Finished. Time is gone. Brilliant.